Wrestling with the Basics is made possible in part by a generous gift from Set Apart to Serve, the church work recruitment initiative of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Our churches are blessed to have pastors from all walks of life, uh, formerly military veterans, engineers, entrepreneurs, and then just just regular guys like myself and Matt. Our Lord calls men from all backgrounds with a passion for the word and a heart for the gospel to be pastors. If you are a friend have been praying and thinking about a second career as a pastor in Christ Church, the Set Apart to Serve team wants to help you put your experience and skills to use in pastoral ministry. Visit weareyourseminaries.org. That is weareyourseminaries.org. And now on with the show. We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. Yes, I am. I am a professional pastor. <laughs> Trained for eight years to, to be able to say that. I'm Pastor John Lekomsky, and I also have another professional pastor with me today. That's right. <laughs> pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Central Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis. And you as well have been formally trained in the ministry. Is that not right, Matt? That is right, John, and it is, uh, it is a joy to serve in the pastoral ministry. Uh, the need is great. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Um, and I think, you know, one of the beauties of, of that as well is I think you and I have both find joy in that continuing education, too. Yeah, so initially going to the seminary, so very important, right, to lay that foundation, but then uh, in the parish, too, to be able to continue to learn and to grow and to uh, hone those skills that, that God blesses us with. Uh, it's, it's really a, a ministry-long thing and a, a ministry-long joy. And I did want to emphasize that the fact that we are both uh, prepared and trained at the seminary pastors, because you might be hard-pressed to tell from this show, which is wrestling with the basics. <laughs> so I don't know why the education doesn't carry over, but, you know, I guess it just doesn't all the time. I, Matt, here, here's the other thing, too. So last week, I just got so excited and enthused about this Psalm 8 that we, we ran over even a little bit. So I hope our, our editor was able to, uh, producers were able to accommodate that. Uh, so I want to get right into Psalm 8 again uh, so we don't have that happen a second time. Uh, and, and, of course, that's the problem. Uh, if you get to be a pastor, you can preach as long as you want, right, Matt? That's right. Yeah. No, no, one, no one yanks you out of the pulpit, right? At least not typically. Well, yeah, let's face it, if you want to stay in a place for a long time, maybe you better <laughs> better not wait until they, they want to pull you out of the pulpit. But yeah, unfortunately at radio, we, we got 24 minutes and that's it. <laughs> we got to be done. So what what else? So we were doing Psalm 8, Matt. Do you want to give us a little review of what we said up to this point? Yeah, Psalm 8 is one of the, uh, the psalms that we're zeroing in on as we look at different types of psalms. And Psalm 8 is an example of a psalm of creation. And so we, we read the opening verses of Psalm 8. We, we talked about the, the majesty of creation and how that points us to the fact that, yeah, there's someone behind this. There is a creator. Uh, and not only did he create this marvelous heavens and earth and everything in them, but he also created us. And, and he's mindful of us. And what a, what a beautiful thing that is uh, for God to even know the number of hairs in our very head, uh, the one who made us, but the one who's still with us as well. 
And and the thing is about this psalm is it reveals that that these Old Testament people who are writing these psalms they understood that the universe was was bigger and greater than anyone could imagine. I I know there are other pagan uh, groups that thought that it was built on the back of a turtle or something like that. <laughs> you know, I know there's other myths. But I think it's really impressive when you read, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? You know, David understands. He sees those stars up there and he knows that, wow, this is a great, big, beautiful creation. And yet somehow we, we men are important to him. The son of man that you care for him. But that's what I want to talk about in this episode. Who is this psalm really talking about, Matt? But but you you've got things prepared. Where where do you want to go from here? Well, that's a, well. Why don't we just you want to just finish the psalm, John, and then uh, okay, yeah, then we can wrap up with uh, yeah. And uh, and I but I want to go back. I really want to wrestle with this phrase, the okay. son of yeah. man. Okay, good. Who is the son of man? But we'll, we'll go ahead and finish up the psalm here. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. And actually, the word there is Elohim. So it could be a little lower than God, because <laughs> that's the word Elohim. That's mm, the word mm-hmm, used for God. Mm-hmm. Although the Septuagint does use angels, uh, so that's why I think the English translates the heavenly beings. And crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, and I suppose we should point out that that first Lord there is is Yahweh, that, that all capitals thing. And then it's Lord Adonai, just the one who is in charge, the one who is the, the boss. Anyway, O Lord, O Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Yeah, so as we read this, you know, at the level of, of David writing this, yeah. and really, you know, by extension, us being able to to praise God, right, as well, and Oh Lord, how Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Uh, the, the psalmist, David, acknowledges that, that God has given dominion uh, to us over the works of his hands, all right? Um, so as, as people, as human beings, even back at creation, uh, God does that. He, he makes us stewards of his creation. So it's his creation. It's God's creation. He's the one who made it. But yet we are given that job of, of stewarding it. Uh, it's been entrusted to us. And so as stewards, we care for something that's really not our own, but something that belongs to the Lord. And so part of our calling uh, is to be stewards of this marvelous creation the Lord has blessed us with, uh, to care for it, to tend to it. Uh, and that, that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, you know, we think about, you know, uh, you know you talk about climate change and all these other things. And uh, because of that, we need to take care of the earth. Well, what, whatever your position is on climate change, uh, I don't think it really matters because as Christians, we, we care for the earth because, well, we're called to care for the earth. <laughs> you know? yeah. And yeah. it's not just because, oh, I want to you know, make sure that the, the climate doesn't change. It's, well, no, God's given me this job to be a steward of creation. And yeah, this is his creation. And yeah, I want to take care of it. That's something I'm called to do. That's something that Adam and Eve were called to do. And Everyone since them. And so that that's, I mean, our motivation, I think that's a pretty great motivation as Christians, is to be stewards of God's creation because, well, that's that's part of what God has called us to do. 
Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, I guess that's I'm not going to argue with that yeah, about that, so Matt. I, yeah, I think that's my final comments. You know yeah. about about Psalm eight. You know, and and that Psalm of creation. Um, so yeah, John. You know, I'll hand it over to you. You know, so another connection to Psalm eight, and especially maybe a, a connection to Jesus. It sounds like. Well, so 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 here's the thing. You're you're right. If you go back to Genesis, he creates Adam and Eve, and and he says, "You you shall have dominion over all these things that that I've given you." Uh, and yet, as you've already pointed out, it's not working out that way. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't feel like we have control over the creation anymore. It seems like creation is kind of going on its own and doing some things that we're not happy about and probably things that we're partially the cause, if not entirely the cause of. Uh, it, it tickles me. You know, Darwin wrote, wrote uh, about evolution as going to be the origin of species, but, but what's interesting, if you look at what's going around, we're not getting more species. We're getting less. People are going, things are going extinct. Uh, the, 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 the world is, the water is beginning to dry up. And again, we can argue about what's causing this. But, but my problem is, Matt, we are no longer in control of what's going on here. So what in the world has happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would go back to Adam and Eve again. And I think, you know, since the, the fall and, the the ground, you know, oh, you know, being a a chore to till and care for, and that that really that that curse that the God speaks, you know, to Adam in particular. I think we see the repercussions of that uh, even still today. And and so I think so. So you can read this psalm as if David is reflecting on what the world was like before sin, or you can read this psalm and and and, and see David reflecting on. What, what it should have been like, but realizing it isn't that way anymore, you know, because we, we no longer have dominion over the works of his hands. And by the way, thank you for bringing up that passage from Genesis about how the creation was impacted by sin, that no longer everything comes up with thorns and thistles now. Everything comes only with a lot of hard work and effort. And in fact, despite our hard work and effort, sometimes nothing comes up. Uh, you know, we're, we're wrestling with a drought up here in Minnesota. A lot of the country is. And so I don't care. You can work as hard as you want, but if you don't get rain, you're not going to get anything. It's just that way, which is why I want to go back to that term, son of man. So, so I'm wondering if this psalm really isn't about us. If when he talks about the one that was crowned with glory and honor, the one that was given dominion over the works of your hands, I don't know that he's talking about us. I, I think that he's talking about Jesus. Um, and it goes back to what we talked about last week, that you really have to use the New Testament. Uh, as Paul says, th these people were under a shadow. Uh, and, and sometimes they see things that, that you think, how could they see that? How could they know that without knowing Jesus? But again, the Holy Spirit has revealed that to them, that this is not the, the, the wisdom of David. This is the inspiration of the Spirit. And yet at the same time, they, they don't know the reality, which is Christ, the way we know it. Um, because I think the Son of Man here that, that is cared for, it is us, I'm not denying that. We know that God loves us. But I think the Son of Man is Jesus. And he's the one that has been made a little lower than the heavenly beings. He's the one who's been crowned with glory and honor. He's the one who's been given dominion over the works of your hands. And I am uh, proud to say that apparently is what Paul thinks. And it's also what the author of Hebrews thinks. <laughs> so I think I got good... Good authority going with me there. So, 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 what do you think, Matt? Are you well, going to challenge Paul and the author of Hebrews? 
It's <laughs> not a really or fair John argument, Lekomsky? is it? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, yeah, and I think if when we look at it that way, John, you know, it just punctuates how much God cares for us and loves us, right? Yeah. So you have the, the awe and wonder of creation, uh, whether, you know, even before the fall, right, uh, when it was perfect, and, and we think of its restoration when Jesus returns. So you have that awe and wonder, and yet, oh boy, the Lord still cares for us. But then also, if you think of, yeah, Jesus as the, the Son of Man, right? Not just a yeah. Son of Man, yeah. but the Son of Man, as even he refers to himself. Again, whoa, God cares for me this much that he would take on flesh and blood for me, that he would send his Son for me? So I think, you know, in both respects, you know, really the end result is us standing in awe of the Lord, <laughs> in awe of his creation, but also in awe of of the incarnation and Jesus becoming uh, one of us, taking on our flesh and blood. So let me read you the quote from Hebrews. Uh, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. And, and Paul then in 1 Corinthians says, but when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him, under God. Uh, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. So, so you're right. Uh, and, and isn't it cool that, that when they ask Jesus, what do you want to, what's your, what's your nickname, Jesus? What shall we call you? Uh, he doesn't say Christ. He is the Christ. You talked about that a few weeks ago. He is the anointed. But his favorite nickname was Son of Man. That's how he always referred to himself as Son of Man. By the way, and the word man here is, of course, Adam. Yeah. So the son of Adam. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what Jesus wanted to be identified with. Uh, so you're right. Uh, it, it's even better than this. It's even better that God created us in this big, wonderful, unbelievably large uh, universe beyond anything you can really imagine. Uh, but but he loved us enough that he would also become one of us, take on our flesh. Although, as I was telling Matt earlier when we were talking before the show, there's a humbling thing in that fact that God was incarnate because, you know, maybe we'll find life on Mars. Who knows? Probably not on Mars, but the scientists say someday maybe we'll find life on some far distant planet. Uh, but, you know, the reason why Jesus had to become one of us is because we were a bunch of sinners, you know. He might not need to do that if we find life someplace else. Maybe they didn't need to be redeemed, but you and I did need to be redeemed because of our sinfulness. And, of course, there you go. Uh, what greater love do you have than this than a man laid on his life for his friends? Well, anyway, thank you, Matt. Uh, so I, it, it is about us, but certainly let us not forget that the Son of Man who, who cares for us, who has been crowned with glory and honor, that is Jesus Christ. So, uh, our Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So what psalm next, Matt? Amen. All right, um, so next psalm, okay, why don't we skip ahead to Psalm 35, John? Yeah, yeah so, now we're going to get the imprecatory psalms. Yeah, so Psalm 35 is one of a number of them, and perhaps Psalm 35 is one of the more mild of them, to be honest, of the imprecatory psalms. And the, the imprecatory basically just means curse. So these are the psalms of, of curses. And so there's a, a series of psalms, and, and these might be the ones that, boy, are the most difficult to wrestle with, where the psalm writer, and again, uh, with Psalm 35, in this case, it's David again, 
where he really calls down, excuse me, calls down curses upon his enemies, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And some of these psalms get pretty specific about uh, <laughs> the specific types of curses and things that, that the psalm writer once inflicted upon their enemies. So th- the reason this is a little difficult is, well, boy, is, is, that, is that a good thing? Is that okay? Um, we talked about psalms of lament already, and yeah, we can cry out to God in our laments and our sorrows, and he hears us. But boy, these are a little different yet. These imprecatory psalms are, again, really curses that are aimed at another person uh, uh, in particular. Um, so how do we understand that? How do we interpret the imprecatory psalms? How are we to understand them? Um, do we just rip them out of our Bibles because they're a little problematic, or do we do the hard work of sorting through this. And boy, uh, what does this mean for for us too and uh, for our lives today and how we communicate to God uh, in prayer and how we view our enemies, how we view those that maybe have, have wronged us. So that's, uh, that's, that's kind of setting the table for Psalm 35 and the imprecatory Psalms. And that, of course, is the difficulty because, again, from the New Testament, we know clearly, plainly, that we're supposed to love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us. And I, I don't think Jesus' intent is that we would pray they'd all go to hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think cursed. that's what he yeah, meant when right. he said, yeah, they were praying for them to be cursed. All right, so what, what do you want to read from here, Matt? Because you're right, this is a very, very challenging set of, uh, of psalms. Well, why don't we just kind of get a flavor for what the unimprecatory psalm psalms sounds like? Okay. So, how about verses 1 through 6, where we hear some of these curses of David? Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind, with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery for the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Yeah, thanks, Sean. So, yeah, fight against those who fight against me, right? Draw spear and javelin. Um, you know, let them be put to shame. He calls upon the, the uh, angel of the Lord to drive them away. Whoa. And then, yeah, the conclusion, let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them, chasing after them. So you and get and a Matt, if, I, if, if I could just interrupt you for a second, yeah. see, that's particularly troublesome because there are many fine scholars who think that the angel of the Lord yeah. is Jesus Christ. So that's really something if we're asking Jesus to drive them away uh, and to make their way dark and slippery. Yes. So, yeah, the angel of the Lord, you know, take... Uh, appears a number of times in the Old Testament, and and even, you know, even, uh, you know, praise, right? So this is more yeah. than just a normal angel. It's, it seems it's pretty clear. So if this is indeed Jesus, you know, before he's incarnate, right, before he's born of Mary, um, well, you're right, John, this is calling upon God himself to do these things, uh, and maybe Jesus in particular to do these things. Uh, so these, these are curses. These are uh, imprecatories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that, that David is calling upon his enemies, calling upon his foes. Yeah. Um, yeah, you want to read a couple more verses, verses sure. 7 and 8? It, it, it's going to get worse, though, man. It's not going to get better, is it? 
Well, no, I mean, it's, I know it's, you know, it, it gets worse. But then I think also, though, we get a, a, a sense of, you know, why David is frustrated, why David is calling these curses upon his enemies, his foes. Okay. For, for without cause, they hid their net for me. Without cause, they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon them when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him, let him fall into it to his destruction. Yeah. So, you know, without cause, I think it's kind of interesting here, too. You know, some have, have uh, speculated that perhaps this psalm was written by David, especially during that time when he was being pursued by Saul, right? So yeah. Saul's out to kill David, and really, honestly, without cause. I mean, David had done nothing to this guy. No. Um, and yet Saul, boy, it seems, seems like he is conceived with jealousy, and he's out to get David, to even kill David. And there's a number of times when David could have very well killed Saul, two times in particular, and yet he doesn't. Uh, David could have, but doesn't do it, and, and even so saw that, right? I could have killed you, uh, but you are the Lord's anointed, and I would not do that. So you, you kind of see this frustration on David's part that he is hated without cause. Without cause, they've dug a pit for me. They're trying to kill me. So David, in, in this case, and if it's referring to Saul, does, it does seem pretty clear that, yeah, he's, he's been the victim here, uh, and he calls for really, I think, a sense of justice to be served, and calls upon the Lord to carry it out. And, and yet, I, 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 I don't want to complicate this, I, I keep thinking about Jesus Christ, who could say the same thing, right? Yes. He was hung on a cross without a cause. He, he didn't hurt anybody. He healed the sick, uh, and yet he prays, Father, forgive them, <laughs> for they know not what they yes. do. He doesn't call a curse upon them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, do you want to read on, John, or do you want to just sure, start sure. talking about the imprecatory psalm in, in well, general? Let, let's, let's read on, and, and I think we're probably going to have to go over uh, for a second episode. Well, how far? I don't Okay, Matt, I'm confused. It, it, there's a lot more verses there. <laughs> yeah. So maybe you want to just start talking about the imprecatory psalms. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one of well, it's okay, a good one, thing we're organized, isn't it, man? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. We are yeah, the very so, model of organization. Yeah. If you are, if you're considering a church work career, <laughs> that's right. You be organized. <laughs> uh, yeah, learn from us not only what to do, but but probably on rest of the basics. It's more often than not what not to do, right, yes, John? Yeah, so what not to do? Uh, oh my goodness. Okay. Well, well, let's let's maybe finish with with one uh, with a, a final thought here, John. And okay. We can continue this next week because I think there's plenty to unpack. Oh man, this is a tough psalms. one. This is a tough one. It is. So I, you know, I I think you know maybe as a final point here, I would just say one thing to notice is who is this psalm addressed to? Yes. It's addressed to to God, right? Yeah. It's addressed to the Lord. So in David calling upon curses for his enemies, he's not. He's not crying out, you know, to his enemies himself, that they be cursed. He's not addressing them directly. He, he's addressing this to the Lord, okay? And I, there's a sense, I think, that David is saying, Lord, <laughs> you know, here's my enemies. Um, they, I feel like they, they're hurting me unjustly. You know, bring about their, their, their end, right? And then he's putting it into God's hands, though. You know, he's really coming to God in prayer in this psalm. So instead of David seeking revenge himself against Saul and other enemies, instead he's coming before the Lord. He's, he's pleading his case before him and calling upon the Lord to execute some sense of justice 
and even and even curses. So I, I think that's significant. This is written as a prayer, and and David he's not taking revenge into his own hands. He's not. He could have killed Saul right multiple times, but instead of doing that, he's putting it into God's hands. So I think that's one positive we see here when it comes to the imprecatory psalms. And 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 of course he's simply reflecting what God has said: vengeance is mine. And, and yes. I think you got a really good point there. Because see, we want to take it in our hands right away. We want to make the bad things happen to those that are farmers. All right, I think we've got a good start, and we will continue to talk about imprecatory psalms next week on Wrestling with the Basics. military veteran, engineer, entrepreneur. These are just some of the former careers held by current LCMS pastors, careers that they left behind to serve congregations in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. No matter the background, our Lord calls men who have a passion for the word and a love for serving Christ to be pastors, a sacred, joyful, and essential vocation. If you or a friend have been praying and thinking about becoming a pastor, visit weareyourseminaries.org and put your experience and skills to new use in pastoral ministry. Visit weareyourseminaries.org seminaries.org.